hello and welcome to Benjamin May McKay's Talk To Me. I'm your host, Benjamin, and joining me on the show today is one of the stars of Nashville, Ed Amatrudo. And then after that chat, I'll have all my normal reviews and uh, also a little uh, trailer for the, my Adelaide Fringe show, which I'll talk more about later in the program. But first, here's my chat with Nashville star Ed Amatrudo. Enjoy! Hello and welcome to the show and thank you for joining me today. No, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Now, who or what inspired you to become an actor? Excellent question. Um, well, when I was eight years old, the Beatles played on Ed Sullivan. And I was, and my, my parents let us stay up because they knew this was going to be a, a big event. And there was something about seeing them on stage singing that made me feel like, yeah, I want to do that. But I, I didn't, and so there wasn't a direct connection between acting and the Beatles, but there was something about that uh, performance that made, I think that was what got the ball rolling for me, where I said, yes, this is what I'd like to do. Mm. So can you talk us through your career journey from the moment that you sort of started training to where we are now? Yes. Um, I hope you have a long show. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, uh, okay, after the Beatles, there was just the usual, you know, clowning around in class, the, the, the clowning around in class training. Um, and, then, uh, and then from there, I, I didn't really do anything until I was in seventh grade and I my mother, you know, basically uh, strong, we'll put it this way, strongly suggested that I audition for this play. It was that they were doing a non-musical version of My Fair Lady. So uh, I auditioned and me and my best buddy got in the play and I, and I realized that this was something that I was enjoying doing and uh, I was, I felt like I was pretty good at it and the audience loved it. Um, and then I was in another show the next year, and then I didn't do anything for a little while because I was off to high school and I was playing football. Um, and then I got back into it again in high school. Right when I graduated from high school, I was trying to decide what I want to study in college. I decided that I was going to study theater. So I went to college for a couple of years in Connecticut as a theater major. Then I left and went to New York City. I went to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. Um, and uh, I trained there. And then when I finished up there, I went out to Los Angeles for about 10 minutes. And then I went to, <laughs> I went to, to Denver, Colorado to work on a movie. Um, and then uh, I went back to Connecticut, which is where I'm from originally. And, and I did a show and, and did nothing there for a while. Then I did a show there and it, because a guy came into the bar I was working in and asked me if I wanted to do a show. It was a guy I knew from college. I said, yeah, sure, why not? So, and I met someone in that show that encouraged me to get back into it. I moved back to New York uh, shortly thereafter. And I started training and auditioning there. Started working back in the theater again. Uh, eventually moved to Florida where I started doing a lot of uh, film and television. This was back when drug dealer, all these drug dealers were very popular. Miami Vice stuff and those kinds of things. Um, and I wound up staying in, in Florida for quite a while, working regularly there. 
And then I was going back and forth to Los Angeles, and then I came back to tennis, back to Miami, uh, and then my ex-wife wanted to move up to Nashville uh, with my daughter, so I agreed that I would follow them, and um, I started a real estate television show here, which is still on. Uh, it's been on for nine years. It's called The Foreclosure Show, and you can watch it at foreclosureshow.com. Uh, and then um, I started doing more uh, theater and, and television here. I was out of it. I was Aside from the real estate TV show, I was out of uh, regular acting for seven years. I, I pretty much quit. And then I got back into it, and then... This show, Nashville, came around, and after a number of auditions, I wound up in that show, which I thought I was supposed to be there for an episode or two, and now we're in the third season. Mm. So what would you say has been your favorite project to work on so far? Wow. Um, well, not obviously Nashville, um, but leaving that one out, I would say... There were very different. There, there's a lot of different things. I, I worked on a Coke commercial. A number of years ago, that sticks in my mind, because, they just let me do, whatever I wanted to do. I was playing like a director, like a Steven Spielberg kind of a guy, and uh, and it was scripted. But then I was having fun with it, and then they finally said, "Yeah, do whatever you want to do," and and they just let me have at it, and that was a blast. And there was another time, uh, another time I was doing a show in Orlando, and it was at one of the th at the at Universal's park or something, and it was outside. It was actually in the theme park, and we were shooting an episode of this show, and there was a huge crowd around. All the all the theme park goers were there, so we were. It was like doing television and live theater at the same time. It was very exciting. Um, and then I you know there's been a number of other things that are enjoyable because of the people you're working with. I worked on a movie with Richard Harris and Robert Duvall, and that was awe-inspiring. Um, I worked on some a couple of other big pictures. One of my most enjoyable things was getting on Miami Vice. I always wanted to be in Miami Vice. That's why I went to Florida in the first place. So you know, almost with very few exceptions, they all have have aspects that are very memorable and things that you really loved about this one and you really loved about the other one and you really love and Nashville pretty much loved everything about that. Well uh, as you mentioned there you've worked on stage in film and on TV so which medium do you prefer working in? Um, another great question. Um, here it is. This is the thing for me. I I love the film and TV thing, because the the process is so interesting and the collaboration is so interesting. As far as the acting part of it goes, though, in on TV you're working in a very limited space, and you have very specific areas in which you can move, or turn, or lean, or or sit or stand, um, and so you're working in a in a very tight little space like that, and there's very little room for 
your for adaptation for improvisation whereas on the stage i've got free reign of the whole area and if i want to do it a little bit different tonight than i did it last night that's okay and and if i want to sit tonight instead of stand that's okay too so for me tv is a little bit of a it's a little bit claustrophobic and theater is more i feel more of a sense of freedom in uh, the theater however on tv you get to see yourself so that's a big bonus <laughs> <laughs> so you enjoy watching yourself back then yes i do you know uh i heard an interview with here's an interview talking about an interview i heard an interview with dennis miller the comedian and uh somebody was asking him if if he you know they said you know a lot of people don't like to watch themselves um on the screen and he said that's not me he said i when i'm on on the screen i'm the only person on the screen um so <laughs> i do i i enjoy watching it my wife and i have a, a wednesday night tradition here in nashville where the show comes on and we order up our pizza and uh and get a bottle of wine sit here and watch the show and yeah i i, I do love I, I do love watching the show and i like watching myself <laughs> Well, no shame in that, then. No, there is, there is, and you know it's funny because I, I like I say, I watch. I, I, I don't like watching it all the time. Sometimes I watch it and it's a little, you know, I cringe a little bit. Um, but most of the time, it's it's fun. It's you know, you get to see the, you know, it's like it, it, if if you planted a garden and you never went out to see the flowers, then what, you know, they ain't just doing all the work for nothing. Mm, absolutely. Well, you have brought up Nashville a fair bit. And you're probably most well known for your role as Glenn. How did this come about for you? Um, well, it was it was pretty, it was just pretty typical. You know, they, an audition came through my agent here uh, that they're going to be making this TV show, and there there was really wasn't that much known about it at the time. It's like ah, yeah, they're doing you know because they had made this movie called Country Strong here, and um, which is a very similar story. Um, and it kind of sounded like, oh, it's another country strong. It's like a country strong for a TV kind of thing. So whatever. So um, I went back. I went in an audition and I got called back. And uh, I got called back for this role of Glenn, for the role of Bucky, and for the role of Marshall Evans. I don't know if you remember season one. Oh, yeah. He was, uh, he was the head of Edge Hill in season one. Yes. Right, right. So I was reading for Glenn, Bucky, and Marshall Evans. And then uh, I went to, I think, the third audition, and they said, okay, we don't want you to read for Marshall Evans anymore, which was disappointing because that's the part that I really wanted. <laughs> you know, that was the first part that I wanted. It's always the uh, way. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, I think I went to a total of... Um, four or five auditions in, in the last couple, uh, Callie, Corey was there. So I knew we were serious. Um, and then they, they said, yeah, you know, you got the part. And of course I was, I was thrilled. Um, very excited. Um, and then, uh, we, sh you know, we shot the pilot episode and then you have to wait forever to find out if the show gets picked up. And then it did. 
So that was even more exciting. And they invited me back for another episode. I thought, well, cool. I got another episode out of it. And, um, and thank God, you know, they kept using me. So it was a great experience, a great process. There was one funny little bit, you know, um, Bucky, uh, David Alfred, the guy who plays Bucky and I look very much alike. Uh, same age, same height, same goatee. And so the director came out and, and said, one of you guys has to wear a wig. And uh, the the hair, the head of the hair department happened to know David Alfred, was very good friends with David. So he said, Ed, you're going to wear the wig. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's how I got that deal. So how would you describe Glenn? Glenn is very loyal, very dedicated, um, extremely professional. Um, he He's the kind of guy that on, on the surface seems very affable, likable, easy to get along with. But I feel that in... At the business table, I think he's very tough, um, and uh, he does not—he can't exercise that toughness with Juliet that often because she's very uh, emotional and also very fragile. Um, so he has to be careful there. But I think he's got a great reputation um, for doing what he does. I think he t- fully is fully invested in. Juliet loves her, um, loves his job, loves the business, and uh, it's just been a joy to be able to to play him. It's actually very much a departure for me because the roles that I usually get are, well, first of all, they're usually bad guys. Um, I've pretty much made a career out of being bad guys, and there, whereas. Whereas Glenn is more a kind of does what he's told kind of guy, the people that I'm accustomed to playing are the people that are in control, the people that are in charge, the people that are running the show. So it's been a little difficult for me sometimes to just kind of hang back and say, okay, all right, well, I'll go ahead and do that. Okay, that's fine. I'll get it done. (laughs) So what did you do to prepare for the role, seeing it was so different to what you'd previously done? Well... Great questions. Here's the thing. When I went to the audition for this for the role of Glenn, I did it a very different way. Because I was I don't know if you ever watched the show Entourage. No, I don't think I've seen that one. Okay, well, in any case, um the character that I came in with was a a, a very kind of hyper but in control guy. Um Okay, you're going to do this. You're going to get it right. Don't mess it up. You know, listen, this is very important. Pay attention to me. I'm talking to you. You know, he was that guy, um, which was, and and the what we wound up with it was somebody very different. So I went in with the high strung, uh, has five cups of coffee a day, uh, L.A. kind of agent thing, and. Then we wound up dialing it back to someone that was uh, a lot more gentle and careful and and less direct, I think, that, than what I went in with 
originally, which was interesting too because the characters, you know, the, Mar the Marshall Evans was different from Bucky, it was different from Glenn, so they kind of tried me out, plugging me into these different places, and wound up, uh, I wound up in Glenland, which was a wonderful. Turns out to be a wonderful treat. <laughs> yeah. Now you mentioned loyalty earlier on, and. Juliet has hardly treated Glenn well over the years. Why do you think he hangs around as a manager? Because he believes in her. Because he has empathy for her. Because he, she's extremely talented. Um, and I, I think that originally he... It was, I think that originally it was more about business for him, but I think her situation with her mom and this raggedy trailer park that she grew up in really made an impact on him. And he began to take her more under his wing personally and instead of just about business. And she's... Juliet is tough, but, and she's sometimes unfair, but I understand where she's coming from. I know why she behaves that way. So I could tolerate it more. And, and she's a kid, you know, and I, I have a daughter that's in college and I, I understand a little bit about, about people that age, you know, they, they can be very bratty sometimes. And he puts up with it because the other reason is that's part of his job, you know? That's what he has to do. And he doesn't have to. Yeah, he could go out and find other talent. Um, but I think, but they have established such a personal connection at the, this point. They really are like family. And I think that's why they, I don't see them ever not being together. Mm, and I suppose you mentioned family there, and over the past couple of episodes, Glenn really seems to have stepped up to protect Juliet. So do you think he's stepping into a father figure? Well, um, I'm not sure what episode you guys are up to there, so I've got to be careful what I'm saying. But, uh, uh, well, this is, a, yeah. this, is, this is a global podcast, so, I mean, if you're going to spoil oh, okay, a little okay. bit yeah, for Australia, we can just put a, put a spoiler warning on it. Uh, okay, okay. Um, well, he, he's always been, he's always been a father figure. It's just that it hasn't come out until maybe halfway through last year and into this year. And I think we've seen some of their, of their journey, which was more combative in the beginning. And then there was an understanding and then, you know, she got out of hand and he quit. And then she made him, she uh, almost fired him, and then he came back, you know, when she was going through a very, very difficult time with her mom. And so now we are seeing him, we're seeing more of the father figure side. Now, I think this is something that's happening with the whole show, is we're getting to see a little bit more behind the scenes of the, of the relationships, not just the, the introductory on the surface uh, uh, points of view that these characters have and the attitude that they take with each other. We're getting to see a little bit more backstory, a little bit more of why they're doing what they're doing. And I, I 
think that I hope the audience is feeling that connection that Glenn and Juliet have. And, and it does appear to be, to be growing, especially as we go into, um, Juliet's pregnancy story. Mm, absolutely. So, I mean, Glenn has kind of gone on a journey, really. So where would you like to see him go in the future? <clears throat> well, I wouldn't mind if he sang a song sometime. <laughs> well, that's really interesting, because one of our listeners has asked, will we ever hear Glenn sing in the show? If, no, I mean, they... No, I, 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 I don't... Ex- I don't expect that's going to happen. I probably would have happened by now. <laughs> um, you know, I do. I, I was a, I was a musical theater guy, you know, so, um, but listen, you know, I, that's, <laughs> these, these singers are, are terrific. I love all of them. They're, you know, and, and they're pretty well stocked up with singers, but I wouldn't mind, you know, I mean, I think there's a way to work some little thing in there, but that would be one thing. And uh, I, where else would I, I would like to, I, I, I would like the, um, the father figure aspect to deepen a little bit more. Uh, and I think there's a place for that as we go down the line in the story toward the end of season three. Uh, and I would like to, I would personally, I would like to see Glenn, uh, I would like to see that, remember I spoke about, like, at the business table, Mm -hmm. he's very serious, and and he's a no-nonsense guy. I would like to see that aspect of him, you know, the business business side of him, what happens when other people aren't around. Like, we saw a little bit of, with Jeff, with, you know, there's a tension between Glenn and Jeff Wardham. Um, mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind seeing more of that too. Okay. Well, could you take us through an average day on set for you? Yes. Okay. Um, let's make believe that, that filming is going to start at 10 a.m. Um, and let's make believe I'm in the first scene. So, Filming starts at 10 a.m. They usually get they'll get me in there probably around 7:30. Um, at which point I check in. I go to my uh, trailer, which is a big the big trailer that's split into three rooms, um, and I get one of those. And in there, uh, the wardrobe people have placed or are about to place my wardrobe for the day. Which is always these awesome, awesome, awesome clothes. I walk in there, I'm like, oh, good, I get to wear this today. And uh, so, so they've got that set up for you. The the uh, the base camp PA comes up to me, welcomes me, asks me if I would like some breakfast. And uh, if if so, uh, I'll make an order for the, whatever that is. Somebody runs off and does that, and then. They'll send me off to hair, hair and makeup for me takes a little bit more time um, because I got the wig stuff to deal with. That takes about um, 
45 minutes or so to apply, maybe less. Um, and then my next stop is in the makeup chair. And then I go back to the trailer to get dressed. Somewhere in that time, I'll get a call uh, that they I have to go in for rehearsal. So you'll you'll go in onto the stage to rehearse, and that can take anywhere from twenty minutes to an hour. And um, and we'll go in there and rehearse. We'll meet the director. We'll get this scene set up. Um, they'll decide how they're going to work this. We'll we'll talk through the scene two or three times. We'll walk through the blocking so that all the the lighting people and the sound people can see where we're going to be when, and then they'll they'll get busy uh, adjusting lights and sound, decorating the set, blah blah. I'll go back and finish getting dressed. By the time I I finish getting dressed, I probably got another twenty minutes or so typically um, while they're completing their setup, and then they'll invite me back in onto the set and we'll go ahead and start shooting in between time uh they've got the places for us to relax that are just off to the side i'm sure you've seen this on you know on tv with our mm -hmm. got our chairs and such um and some of us are continuing to rehearse some of us are going over our lines some of us are looking at our cell phones what have you um and that's so and then from there it's pretty much repeat for the rest of the day it's you know a typical day on the set is at least 12 hours now i wish when i was a, you know when i was much younger i used to hear people all saying wow we're on that for 14 hours a day and i'm thinking nah, they're not really but yeah they sometimes they really are <laughs> um especially you know especially people like like um Hayden and and Chip and Connie, you know that that have a lot to do. They're, they're putting in very long days. They're putting in very long days. Um, yeah. But everyone's really treated well, and it's just a, you know, the, it's just such a great family to be a part of. The, the 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 crew and the cast and everybody is so wonderful. Just you know, I, I when I'm not in an episode, I I just really miss. I just feel like going there to hang out because um, it's just really a great 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 group of people. And and how much in advance do you get your scripts? Uh, okay, I because of my situation, I will get a script about three or four. If it's a good week, four days in advance. Sometimes it's two days, um, and this all has to do with. It's a union thing about they can't give you the script until you're actually under contract for a certain time period, and it just gets gets complicated like that. But for my case, in my case, I don't get a script until a few days before, which is kind of funny because I have people, I'm walking around the set, and there's the craft services people or you know the, the makeup artist is coming up and talking to me about what happens in the next episode and I have not seen it yet. Um, so I'm pretty much the last, I'm pretty much the last to know. <laughs> Art actors always. Yes, right. right. 
Well, you know, Nashville has become popular all around the world, but it is set in a in a country town in America. What do you think it is about the show that creates its wide appeal? What do I think it is about the show that creates its wide appeal? I think, um, well, you know, obviously, you know, country music is more popular than ever. Mm. So, so there's that. Um, they have created a core group of very interesting characters. It's a very interesting mix. And because they don't all, in my opinion, they don't all, like on some other shows, I don't really know one cop from the next or one politician from another. But I see a big difference between Juliet and Raina. And I see a big difference between Luke Wheeler and, uh, you know, Jeff Fordham. You know, they're all very individual people. And so that's why you see online, you know, there's, there are these very strong alliances that people have with these different characters. And I think you've got enough characters together there that it's keeping enough it's it's keeping enough people interested in, and uh, and and dedicated to. I mean, these they're they're the fans are fabulous, you know, and they are so excited about what's going to happen next. And I think that's what's creating creating the popularity, along with the fact that Nashville's a cool place, you know. That they you know they make they make the city look beautiful and interesting and fun. And tourism has shot up here since the show's been on. It continues to grow. And uh, the music's great. You know, mm. it's so all, all, you know, it has a lot of factors that everybody finds very appealing. Absolutely. Now, speaking of the music, there are, I suppose, quite a few very distinctive styles of country music in the show. Which is your favorite? Well, I'm a classic rock guy, you know, so... Any of the numbers that have a little bit more of a rock kind of a feel to them, the more rocking numbers, I, I, I'm, I'll go along with that. You know, I don't, I'm, honestly, I'm not much on the country ballads and things, um, but uh, like my favorite song is is Juliet's, the one that Juliet sings, Don't Throw Dirt on My Grave. Mm, that's a great song. Love that song, you know, things that are in, in that genre, that's that's where I'm, uh, I gravitate toward. Mm. Now, as you mentioned, Nashville does have a huge following. So do you often get recognized by fans of the show? I almost never do. Um, because I, my off-screen persona is very different. <laughs> and my off-screen look is extremely different um, than I look on, on the show. So for me... No, it's rare uh, when I when someone says, "Oh, you aren't you the guy?" Um, but for me, no. But for everybody else, yes. Uh, even even some of the guys that are in smaller roles have told me that they've they've become that guy that walks around with the baseball cap and the sunglasses. <laughs> and, and especially since you know this is a small town, you think people would be all over you. But here's that's another thing about Nashville is people are cool here, you know, people, they, they don't get up in your business. They leave you alone. You don't have paparazzi chasing you around all over the place. You know, there's a lot of, they, they give everybody some room. Hmm. Well, that's certainly a good thing, I suppose. 
It is. It is. Um, and you know, listen. I mean, it's fun. Uh, it, it, it's fun to be noticed, and it's 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 fun because not, because you see that the you see the excitement that some of the fans have about meeting somebody that's in their favorite show. And, and I totally get that. I'm the same way. When I see when I, when I when some of these guest stars show up on our show and I get to meet them, I'm I'm excited. I want to get my picture taken with them. Um, so I, yeah, it's it's fun. But I you know I I've had a, a very very small taste of what that's what that can be like. Um, so I can understand how. People who have more of a celebrity status can experience a lot of frustration with that. Um, people clamoring around them all the time. I, I do understand that, but that's again, that's a wonderful thing about Nashville is it just doesn't happen here like that. Mm. Now, I did mention uh, early in one of my programs that I was going to be talking to you, and a lot of fans of Nashville wrote in asking how many more episodes are scheduled to air this year. Uh, well, there's 22 altogether. Mm -hmm. So I guess depending on where you are, like here in the states, we're uh, I think I think six, seven, I think seven have aired so far here. So whatever 22 minus seven is, <laughs> um, yeah. So 22 is is the plan for this year. Wonderful. Now, how would you say the industry has changed since you first began working in it? Um, well, some parts of it haven't changed at all. Uh, and I think most of the changes are technological. Um, we were talking about this last night, in fact. Um, because we're not shooting things on film anymore. Um, and everything is on, you know, is on HD cameras. It's on a chip. Um, there are whole different, you know, it doesn't matter so much how much film they shoot because we're not shooting any film anyway. We don't like it what we have. We just erase it and go back and do it again. Um, the lighting is completely different. It used to be that you'd, you know, you go and do a scene under these lights and you're roasting, man. I mean, it's like you're sitting in, in, the, in front of the sun mm. on some of these things. But now it's different. It's like sometimes I walk in there and I'm thinking, is it really? Can we put on some lights? Because it doesn't. It's there's no there's not the heat aspect. It's not bright, nearly as bright as it used to be. Um, the sound is you know the sound quality is different. Um, it moves very very fast. Everything you know. I, when I say it moves fast, I mean it's a long day, but they're doing a lot of stuff in that day. And I think that's about the budget. Uh, as far as as far as casting goes, that's all very different because traditionally there'd be an audition for something. You would show up uh, at a certain time and you go in and do your one minute audition, turn around and leave. And now, and there and there would be people there. You know, now everywhere you go, everything is getting put on tape. And sometimes you're not even going somewhere. Sometimes they're sending me the audition material to my home and I'm going out to my own studio and putting my own audition on tape 
and then I have to upload it to my agent or the casting director, and they're watching my audition on tape. I'm never even in the room. I never even see these people. Mm. So would you say that changes for the better or for the worse? In terms of the audition process? Yeah, the audition process. My opinion, I don't like it. Um, I don't. I don't like the idea that I can't get in a room in front of these people. There's a certain. There's a certain thing that happens when somebody walks in the door to that to meet someone that you know you're carrying with you a certain vibe, you know, and this is part of what this is part of what sells you as as an actor is that that thing that you walk in the room with. But if you're not walking in a room, nobody gets to see that. Also, if I'm putting an audition on tape and the director likes it, but it wasn't exactly what he's looking for, he doesn't have the opportunity to say, okay, do it again, but this time do it, do the whole thing a little bit more slowly. There's no, so there's no room for an adjustment. There's no room for getting direction from a casting director or a director. Um, there's no reason why somebody can't put put an audition on tape seventeen times and send their best their best take, mm. as opposed to walking in the room when the pressure's on and getting it right one time, you know, because that most of the time that's what you get. You get one shot and then see you later. And if they like you in your one shot, they might ask you to do it do it again and make a couple of adjustments, but. So yeah, I, I'm not not a fan of the uh, of the taped audition. However, in terms of convenience and stuff like that, it's awesome. You know, because you're not you're not fighting traffic, you're not driving around, you're not finding a place to park. But I will tell you this: this these on camera auditions are extremely time consuming, and now they want you to have more and more equipment and better off-camera actors and specific lighting and they want the sound to be a certain way so by the time you, you finish shooting your own audition and editing it yourself and uploading it you know, it takes two or three hours yeah i can relate to that <laughs> so i'm like well i would i could have just driven there i'd done my audition and come back in less time than that <laughs> definitely all right, well, finally, what advice would you offer to anyone looking to work in the performance industry? My advice is the following. Get some training. You, a lot of, you know, we read articles about, oh, so-and-so, he never went to acting school, blah, blah. Yeah, there's a couple people like that. But... If you look around, you know, you look around my, even just on the Nashville set, this guy went to Juilliard, this guy went over here, this guy studied at UCLA. I mean, these people are, have been training for years to do what they do, acting and singing and dancing. Um, so you've really got to get into class, you know, and you really got to start studying uh, and if you're not in a place, if you really want to do this and you're not in a place that offers any kind of good training, then you've got to go somewhere else. Um, so that's the, you know, first and foremost is you've got to get some training. Secondly, you've got to do some theater because that's 
the way that you're really going to dig into the basics and get a rehearsal process in, in television. There's a rehearsal, but there's not a rehearsal process. You'll, you'll run through a scene two or three times and that's it, as opposed to rehearsing a show for four or five weeks. You know, it's, com it's a completely different process. So you've really got to get some, some theater training under your belt. If you're brave enough to become a theater major, know this. You're going to be spending a lot of money, and it's very competitive. <clears throat> and when you get out of college with your theater degree, uh, there might not be a lot of employment opportunities hanging around there. So take that into consideration. You really have to, you know, I think you really have to be very objective about your desires and your skill set before you decide to take this on as a profession. And along the way, it, it, it is so important to, first of all, continue. I still take classes whenever I can. I took a class last night um, and the night before, as a matter of fact. Um, it, it's important to continue to train, to train, to stay on top of your game. Take other people's advice. Listen to them. Go to get an, uh, a subscription to Backstage online. There's all kinds of information there. I'm, I look at it every single day. Look at the variety. Understand what's going on in the business. Talk to people who have been doing this for a while and get a real life, a real life feel, real life testimony of what these people are doing. And finally, when it stops being fun, and listen, it's not fun every day. Some days it's very frustrating. But I'm talking big picture. In the larger picture, when it stops being fun, you need to quit because you're going to drive yourself crazy. Even if you quit, some people quit for three or four years and then they go back. But if you're not having fun doing it, then you got to do something else. Mm. That's it. Well, thank you for your very wise words and your time today. Thank you so much. It was very enjoyable. That was Ed Amatrudo talking to me about Nashville and his career. Now, there have been some great cinematic releases since the last episode, and thanks to Palace Nova Cinemas, I'll give you my brief summaries now, and you can read the full reviews of all these films online. The Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 1 recently came out. Now, the third instalment in the Hunger Games franchise is sublime, and it is a perfect analogy and commentary on current world issues, and I gave that one 4.5 stars. Uh, coming up soon, uh, but I attended a media screening, is Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. Now, Disney's latest family comedy has great performances, a funny storyline, and a strong message. And it really is genuinely funny. And I gave that one three and a half stars. Uh, I've also had the chance to take an early look at Big Hero 6. Now, Disney's Big Hero 6 is full of fun, but also quite sad and emotional at times. And I gave that one four stars. Men, Women, Children has also been recently released, and there are no laughs to be found in this film, but its messages are strong and powerful. It's a truly thought-provoking film, and I gave that one four stars. And now, one of the very rare occasions has come when I've given a film five stars. Uh, the movie Serena, starring Jennifer Lawrence and Bradley Cooper, is an artistic masterpiece, and while I think it'll get easily looked over by many people, I do encourage you all to go see that one immediately. And you can read all those full reviews online at the movie review section, thanks to Palace Nova Cinemas. There have also been some wonderful DVD releases from Roadshow Entertainment. 
One of the great releases this month is the box set with Death Comes to Pemberley and Pride and Prejudice. Now, P.D. James very recently pa passed away, and um, this box set does uh, have the adaptation of Death Comes to Pemberley, which was uh, originally a P.D. James book. So uh, if you're a fan of P.D. James, it is wonderful to check out, and it's a great way of uh, remembering the legacy that uh, P.D. James created. Now, also, the Doctor Who Series 8 box set is out. Now, some of the storylines aren't quite as good as uh, as previous series, but um, Peter Capaldi is a wonderful actor, and he's, this is, he, playing the Doctor is certainly no exception for him. Now, Roadshow Entertainment has uh, asked me to let you know about an event that they are holding uh, online, um, which does relate to uh, to Doctor Who quite uh, quite strongly, and specifically this release, and um, they have announced the Doctor Who Series Eight official fan marathon in Australia, and um, the idea is that on Saturday, thirteenth of December at midday, they are inviting uh, Whovians from around the country to plan a viewing party, whether for one or a hundred, and press play on the first episode of Series Eight and marathon the series with us so they're ready for the Christmas episode. Now. Fans who do take part in this can join in the fun on uh, Twitter and social channels using the hashtag WatchingWho. And uh, from, uh, from Friday, fans will be able to register their intention to participate, and one week prior will have access to a party pack to download and print. And they'll be running competitions throughout the marathon until the final episode finishes just before midnight. So any fans of the Doctor should jump on that one. Uh, it certainly will be a fun experience, and Roadshow uh, really hopes to have you on board with that. Uh, sadly, still no new releases from uh, Madman as yet, but when I return for the final episode of the year, we should have quite a few more which I'll enjoy talking to you about. Now, the next episode will be released on the uh, the 23rd of December, so I look forward to having that to you soon, and I'm not going to announce the details of it, but it will include a video clip, and it's going to be a very, very funny and special release, uh, just in time for Christmas too, so think of it as our Christmas present to you. But to, before you go, if you are in Adelaide, I have an Adelaide Fringe coming up. Great Detectives of Old Time Radio Live. Now, before I leave you today, here's a trailer for that show. Johnny Dollar? Dollar! This is Raymond Tillerton. Tillerton? Uh, yeah, yeah, Eastern uh, Liability and Trust. Well, what can I do for you, sir? Can you come over here and see me right away? You mean you're in your office at this time of night? No, uh, no, uh, at, at my apartment. Well, what sort of a matter would you like me to investigate, Mr. Tillerton? No, 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 there's no matter. Not yet. That is. Uh, but that doesn't make any difference. I must see you. Well, look, Mr. Tillerton. Right away, please. Well, unless I have some idea what your problem is. Good heavens, man. Can't you hear this is urgent and important? Well, it certainly sounds like it. Well, then come immediately. 4-8, the Kernsley Arms. Look, Mr. Hello? Hello? Murder. Mystery. Intrigue. Coming your way in Great Detectives of Old Time Radio Live. Playing February 18th to the 22nd at the Capri Theatre during the Adelaide Fringe Festival. Seven shows only.
Book now through Fringe Ticks to avoid disappointment. There was that trailer, and a booking link is in the show notes as well as on the website. I've been your host, Benjamin Man McKay, and see you for our final episode of the year later in the month. See you then.